Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. We're just waiting for Robert Simmons to join us here today. Robert Simmons is best-selling author of the Book of Stones, but he has topped that. The Alchemy of Stones, co-creating with crystals, minerals, gemstones, and healing for transformation. I mean, this is, this book is like wild. And we've got three copies of this to give away. Let me just, let me just do this. If I could, oh my God, it's so heavy. Oh, Benny, help me, Benny. Get back to work, do it. You've been in the gym. Uh, uh, There we go. Look at that book. Look at that. (laughs) Look at that. And what I want to say about it is, oh, my goodness, inner traditions, Manzanita, you have done it again. This book is like, what? So, Benny, remember I just said to you, it's very rare publishing companies are putting like anything in color, right? Olivia's here, too, right? Yes. So, but this book, I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to show everybody. I had to turn around. Hold on. I got a little video going on here. So, can you? Look at this. Some good looking look stuff this. right there. Yeah. Holy. Oh, my God. What's going on in here? Okay. You know you know how I knew I was going to like this book? Mm-hmm. Here's how. Ready? Mm-hmm. Wait for it, Benny. Waiting. Olivia, wait for it. Waiting. Wait for it. Waiting. Wait for it. <laughs> Almost there. Wait for it. Okay. So I get to the book here. It says, Authors Forward. I knew that I was on the right path when the author picked one of my favorite Carl Jung quotes. This became a mainstay for me, especially when I was younger, and I really thought that I was just not all there. I mean, I I just didn't think I was there. So here's the quote by Carl Jung that's in the book. I always feel very suspicious when somebody assures me that he is very normal. Too many normal people are just compensated madmen. <laughs> a, I, I, I thought I thought it was the only one in the world that got a hold of that quote by Carl Jung. I remember using this at an opening presentation, a keynote once, and I got to read it again. It just like makes me laugh. Olivia, you have to type fast to put this in the video because we're going to have to videotape this. Even even though I know Robert doesn't want to be on video. I'm on video. We're going to have to videotape this, especially if Robert doesn't uh, make it here. This is it. Carl Jung. And this could be women too, Benny. I always feel very suspicious when somebody assures me that he or she is very normal. Too many normal people are just compensated madmen or women. Carl, what does that even mean? It was, I remember opening up a keynote um, talk when I, in my corporate career. 
and I had to speak in front of a bunch of managers. And we had to talk about implementing. Uh, so I don't know, Benny, if you even know this about me. I don't talk about my corporate career much, do I? Uh, not as of late, but for we might have some new listeners that would like to know. All right. So I worked for the phone company, right, for mm -hmm. like a lot of years. But I got the job at the phone company, saved me from homelessness, my goodness, because before my mother, before my folks threw me out, literally one day showed up and all my stuff was on the lawn. Before that, my stepmom said to me, you got to get a job at the phone company. I just want to say, for those of you that are like, what phone company? Back in the day, there was one phone company up until 1983. There was only one phone company, just saying. Um, I almost wish we went back to that, but that's another show. My mom says, go to the phone company. I'm gonna help you fill out the application, apply for an entry level job, the mail room. So I did, and I applied for the job. And, you know, Doris Stoner tricked the application and I come home one day I'm not going to tell you the details of why my parents did this, but here's what I want to say. If you're listening to this and you're going, oh, poor Dr. Pat, you came home one day and you found all your stuff on the lawn. I deserve that. Just saying. Came home one day, <laughs> came home one day and all my stuff was on the lawn. And I didn't have a lot of stuff, but there it was. And so my dad had given me a beater like it was a 19, oh man, what year was that car? 1950 something ford something big white car <laughs> oh my god it, it was just like <laughs> was it a car or a truck a, huh was it, it was like a giant car okay like so that a, now takes out the trucks okay so we yeah, can, we're going a little like further with it, it. like a ford i don't remember would you like say 56 fairlane was gigantic it had the big wings on it and stuff it was the kind of car when you hit the gas right you hit the gas to go mm-hmm you could hear all the air because this car was too big for, <laughs> for the engine that, that, that was trying to pull it. So anyway, off I go and I apply for the job. So I'm homeless, right? Uh, Short-term homeless, but I don't wish homelessness on anybody. And so, so out I go. So I'm telling this story. So my corporate career, I started in the mailroom at $61 a week. And I almost got fired from that job, but I didn't. I got saved by the woman that hired me, Doris Stoner. And she looks at me one day and she says to me, Benny, she says, I am going to hire you, Doris Stoner. I'm going to hire you, but I don't know why. There's nothing here on paper that says I should hire you. Look, you are out. 48 days in your senior year. Now, I don't know how many years there are at school, but apparently if you're out 48 days, there's something wrong with you, <laughs> right? I mean, like who's out 48 days, unless you're like sick, 48 days. That's a lot of days. Do the math on that. Like how many, how many months are there in the school year, Benny? September, October, November, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. December is a bust. January, February, March, April, May, June, okay. So eight months, let's say. I don't know if I did the math on that. You got the boys, so you know the school year. Mm -hmm. So eight months, 48 days, 
So how many days a month do you have to be out to have 48 days in your senior year of high school? I'm just saying I was bored. I was bored. I transferred from New York. I had taken a whole lot of stuff already, moved, transferred to Plainfield. I was bored. 48 days. But anyway, Dara says, look, can I hire you anyway? She does. And my God, I have a picture of me. I don't know if Olivia can find it. I have a picture of me in high school. I got the hair all teased, Benny. <laughs> right? I got my hair is not blonde, just so you know it's it's brown. And so so Doris hires me. Okay. So I was asked to do a talk and talk about the change we were about to have in the corporation. And we were the first corporation. I had an HR job. So I worked my way from the mailroom all the way up, worked in payroll, worked at all the executive in HR. And so my job was implementing the first formal 360 degree performance management plan. So those of you that are cringing right now and saying, oh, Dr. Pat, how in God's name would you do that to people? Honestly, I thought we were going to do it fairly. Realistically, no. There's nothing about performance review that I know of that, that is just not personal. It is. I mean, if you looked at my performance reviews, they all, I always got great reviews, and then they always said something like, we think she's from another planet. And they were right. But. I stood up and did this talk and I was trying to explain Benny, Olivia, I was trying to explain to them because I was about to implement something, one, that I didn't wholeheartedly agree with, but two, that I developed. And it was supposed to be about really providing feedback to people, you know, to really get some ideas going. Of course, now we know that those early years of 360 degree uh, feedback processes for performance. Now we know that they were used for one thing and one thing only, really, to really just really favor the people that you liked and really the people that you didn't like. You just, I don't know what you did with them because you weren't firing people back then. We never fired people back in 1983, Benny. Did you know that? I did not, no. You don't fire, you never fired people. People didn't get fired. Do you know what you, I mean, let me tell you about the history of this. See, we do this performance review, but you're not really going to fire people, right? Until we did the downsizing, which is another show and another story. But I had to stand up and <laughs> explain this performance review. And these people, these managers, these, these genius scientists, right? Arno Penzias, these are the people that you hear about, right? somewhere on some science magazine or else they're on George Norrie's show, but you hear about them, right? They're like, I created the Big Bang. Arno Penzias. I created the Big Bang. I don't want to do performance <laughs> reviews. Penzias and Wilson, right? And I found myself at this place having to implement a corporate bleeping performance program with angry people. <laughs> so I start out with that quote. I start out with the Carl Jung quote that I loved. And I know why Carl said this, because man, Carl Jung got beat up for talking about spirituality. I mean, there's a letter that he wrote. I'm hope maybe if I, I can pull up the letter, I'm gonna read what Carl says, because I learned more from this letter 
um, this, one, this one letter from Carl Jung about how he wished he would have done more, talking about spirituality. So for him to write this, I, I think he might have been battling with Freud, right? I always, always, not maybe, not sometimes, this is Carl Jung, right? Dr. Carl Jung. He doesn't come out and say, well, maybe I feel suspicious. No, I always feel suspicious when somebody assures me that he is very normal. I always feel suspicious when somebody assures me that he or she, because they're he and she's, we can have, or if you're gender neutral, it. I need to cover that. Too many people are just compensated madmen or women or mad it or or mad it's. I started that talk out. And I gotta tell you, it was the smartest thing I ever did. And I read it slowly. And I talked about it. I said, this came from Carl Jung. And for those of you that don't know who Carl Jung, it was one of these moments, Benny. It, w- it came close to when Linda brought in Gloria Steinem to do a talk. And I got to ask Linda what year that was. She brought Gloria in. This came really close to when Gloria Steinem showed up. That's our Gloria Steinem. If you don't know who Gloria Steinem is, I- I'm telling you, every man and woman needs to Google Gloria Steinem. I think they're going to, they're making a movie about her, Benny. But this was the time that we brought Gloria Steinem in and we thought we were going to lose our jobs over this. Where Gloria, we had the whole room ready for her to meet with managers and leaders, right? She had everybody remove all the chairs from the room. And now I'm sitting on the floor. I always feel very suspicious when somebody assures me that he is very normal. He or she is very normal. This quote for me, it just freed me from my own psyche of attempting to be something that I was not. I want to take a short break. We come back. I got more to talk about with this book and we're going to get into the alchemy of the stones, but What does psychoid mean? That's interesting. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Are you ready to shift your current beliefs about death from debilitating pain and loss? Follow Angie Corbett Kuyper as she shares that through choice, present moment awareness, and keeping an open mind. Anything is possible, even in death. Tune in to Beyond Proof Radio with Angie, redefining death and loss every first Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. For more, visit beyondproof.com. Are you ready to put down that drink or drug for good? Are you struggling to maintain your recovery from addictive behaviors? Do you need help with a family member or loved one who's in early recovery or battling addiction? Get the help and guidance you need by arranging a recovery recharged phone session with me, Ellen Stewart. Pushy Broad from the Bronx, Certified Life and Recovery Coach. Call 1-800-889-1757. Make an appointment today. Or go to my website, pushybroadfromthebronx.com, and click on the link that says Recovery Recharged. Don't wait. Get the help you need today. 
This is Ellen Stewart, Pushy Broad from the Bronx, on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Are you a feminine entrepreneur and you're tired of being stuck in the making just enough money trap? I hear you. I'm Julie Steelman, and I just released a brand new masterclass about how to unlock the three secrets to creating a financial breakthrough in your business. Come on over to calledbyfreedom.com. I'm going to walk you through the three things you need to do to create that financial breakthrough you've been craving. Come on over to calledbyfreedom.com. Are you ready to become an unstoppable force of love in the world? Then don't miss the Creative Empowerment Show, Invoking Radical Love with Rachel Chase live every month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Rachel shares tools, stories, and meditations to spark the flame of profound wisdom within you. If you want to awaken your superpowers and activate your heart, visit rachelchase.com. It's time to shake out your money-making truth on soul wisdom abundance with Jennifer Bloom, creating wealth from spiritual health on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This hit show is more than your roadmap to success. It's your compass to abundance through joy and ease. Jennifer Bloom teaches you about the soul's relationship to money and wealth and how improving that relationship serves both you and the world. Learn more at JenniferBloom.com. Hey, everybody, welcome back. I'm going to be talking with you about, yeah, one of my favorite topics to really talk about because I know very little about it, The Alchemy of Stones. Robert Simmons is the author of this book, and I will give a copy of the book away. So what I didn't say, Benny and Olivia, what I didn't say when I looked at this author's forward page here, right? I didn't even get into what he writes about, but, but before I even go there, he has three different quotes, this is how the book starts. This is how I knew I needed to really read this book. The second quote is this by Robert Bly in Listening. And it's not a quote. It's like a little poem. The hermit said, because the world is mad, the only way through the world is to learn the arts and double the madness. Are you listening? Oh. You're getting ready to have fun with this book. And then the last quote on this page, there's just tons of stories. This book is filled, filled with these nuggets. And then so before I start to get into the forward on the book, miracles never happen to sensible people. <laughs> yeah, that's even true. But then as you go through this, here's what Robert does. You know, he talks about the stones, of course, in his own personal journey. And it's just beautiful, the imagery in the book. And he talks about golden threads and about how we are here, right, and all connected. You know, all know that, that the drop merges into the ocean, but few know that the ocean merges into the drop. And that's, by, and that's a quote by Kabir. But then he goes on and he, and he uses an analogy to talk about the alchemy of the stones and how vast this is. So he, ha he asked this question, Benny. He said, look, most of us are already aware of the challenges of the materialistic worldview presented by 
unexplained healings, near-death experiences, spiritualists, mediums, tarot readings, and prophetic dreams, as well as everyday sorts of psychic experience and telepathy. Sometimes the telephone rings and you know who it is before you answer. You also know who it is before you look at the caller ID on it too. Our pets seem to be instantly aware when we are coming home and there is documented evidence that the plants can read our minds. I think my plants can read my mind, right? You're reading my mind now? Hello, over there, you're reading it? Um, yeah. And so he goes on to say, um, materialism is not adequate explanation of reality. This book will suggest to you that even the stones are conscious. I totally get that and believe that. So here's what he says. This is cool. Did you know, do you know the story of the three blind men who were given a chance to encounter an elephant? One ran up against the side of the beast and he's, he later said, an elephant is like a wall. The second man got hold of the tail and he said, an elephant is like a rope. The third felt the twining trunk and he said, an elephant is like a snake. Who is right? All of them, except that none had the whole picture. So Robert says the mystery of the stones and their connection to spiritual alchemy is a key that unlocks a vaster mystery about ourselves, our reality, a mystery much bigger than an elephant. And that's the basis of this book. That's it. And for those of you out here, what I want to say about this is this entire book is filled with those things, with those, those musings, as we might call it. The book is filled with messaging. It's filled with, you know, what the energy of things are, right? And, and, and Robert goes on to talk about what it means to discover alchemy. And I find this fascinating because I still get drawn into Carl Jung's quote about mad and madness. But anytime you turn to a page in this book, what I find fascinating are these really cool nuggets. And you could tell that Robert has thought this through carefully, very carefully by what is said here. So for example, here, alchemy is situated precisely at the crossroads of science and magic. Uh, that was by Dan, uh, Danny Deardrop. And then he goes on to talk about that crossroads of science and magic. Crossroads of science and magic. How many times have you and I, and certainly if you have kids, you maybe read them a story. Maybe you have multiple children and you read them a story and one kid will pick up on the magic of the story. The other will explain it by the science, but maybe not call it that. But this is a point in time where I think we need the alchemy of every living thing. And how often have you come across the energy of a stone? I have a stone behind me here. And I can't tell you why I keep this one behind me not sure the reason for it. And since the show that I did the other day, I don't know if you remember that, Benny, but since the show I did the other day, I have now taken the smoky quartz home with me. That was a great uh, crystal, by the way. Yeah, wasn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. uh, 
but I brought it home. And what I realized is I kept trying to move it up and down the shelf. And it was like, no, I don't want to be there. And this <laughs> one behind me, this one I have behind me, this one totally doesn't like it anywhere but back there. So I kind of think, I'm not even sure what it is. I'm not quite sure if it, it might be quartz, but it kind of looks a little different than the quartz crystal I, I've seen. Um, I was hoping to ask Robert about it. But yeah, it's kind of cool. See that right there? Looking at you right there. Pretty sweet. Um, it likes to have my back. Do you believe that stones are alive? I don't know, Benny. Do you believe stones are alive? Uh, the Rolling Stones, yes. Uh, the other stones, I believe so, yes. They have some spiritual elements. You're going to bring up the Rolling Stones? i got to ask you a question. It was too easy. Yeah. It, i got to ask you, though, because you brought up the Rolling Stones. So we talked about Pink Floyd. We talked about Pink Floyd yeah. the other day. Better known as the Floyd. Okay. Well, let's talk about the Rolling Stones. In the Rolling Stones arsenal of songs, and I think they're touring again. Aren't they touring again? Uh, I don't know as of right now during our pandemic, but maybe soon after. Yeah, once right. things lift oh, a little bit. Yeah, I, I thought expect. they had planned a tour. Right, um, that could be it. Okay. So there's one song that is so different from all of their other songs. Like, so different. You have to ask yourself, why? Why? Why would they write a song like this? Why would they write that song? <clears throat> and the song has been covered by different other groups and different, and it shows up in different. Can I give you a tip on what the song is if I give you a movie? Sure. Okay. It, it, it was perfectly placed hmm. in the movie Suicide Squad when they were introducing Viola Davis's character. I personally don't know. Okay. I personally don't know, but maybe some of our listeners do. Uh, yeah. Who knows this song that I'm talking about with the Rolling Stones? <clears throat> it's one of the songs that when you think about it, you and let's say you're kind of getting all close with the Rolling Stones. I grew up with the Rolling Stones, so pretty familiar, right? A lot of these songs kind of had relationships with each other, but this one song, it made people like me, right? It made people like me say, why? I'll give you a year. Opening track, what year? I know this because this was a pivotal year for me as a kid. 1968 album, Benny. Okay. I'll give you that. Nine years before me, but I'm with you. <laughs> Just letting everyone know. In 1968, this song shows up on an album, right, that they had. And when I, I remember getting it, and I remember thinking to myself, why, right? Why in 68 would they pick this song? And there was not another song quite like it, not musically, not any of the verses of it. Do you all know what song that is? 1-800-930-2819. If you know the answer to that, I'm going to give you a copy of this great book here. Alchemy in a song and in a book. 1-800-930-2819. What's that song? 
that is so unusually maybe didn't sound quite like it came from the Mick. What song is that? Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Are you one of the many women in the world who've carried the burdens of work and family with the added circumstance of the pandemic? You are not alone. Join Mary Rose Campbell with five other powerful women on Saturday, December 5th, starting at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, for the International Conference on Resilience for Women, as they share what they've learned to create power for themselves under any circumstance. Get your tickets now at resilientwomensconference.com. Learn how to lead a happier life on Miles to Go with Brittany Miles. How to lose to gain it all. Join Brittany every second and fourth Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Listen as coach and healer Brittany Miles shares stories that teach you about surrender. For more information about Brittany, MilesToGoCoaching.com. Tune in to the show Heart change consciousness with me dr trish derosher as stories of inspired activism come to life listening to conversations with your favorite authors change makers and many more who practice inspired spiritual activism and transform vulnerabilities into sources of strength let's be inspired together through my show heart change consciousness on transformationtalkradio.com Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show, talk radio to thrive by. I am so thrilled to be talking to all of you. We have got talk radio for all of us. Are you ready and willing and able to accept all of the abundance you can muster up in your life? Check us out at drpatshow.com, transformationtalkradio.com, transformationradio.fm. Oh my goodness. Are you ready to branch out? Take a leap of faith. Tune in to Get Rooted Radio with Erica Gifford-Mills on TransformationTalkRadio.com to equip, empower, and enlighten yourself. Erica will energize and excite you to power up your passionate dream that sets your soul on fire. So get fearlessly ready and get powerfully rooted in your yes to live it up, love it up, and let it go. Visit GetRootedRadio.com. What would you do with the power of community? How do you create your own rituals? Tune in to Living Your Gifts with me, Susan Huff, Ancient Applications for Modern Times, the second Wednesday of each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Our lives begin with the stories we are told and the stories we tell ourselves. Storytelling is the key. To learn more about me, visit LivingYourGifts.com. That's LivingYourGifts.com. Welcome back, everybody. Dr. Patro, we're just taking a little break here because we are waiting for our guest, which we may have to reschedule. But Benny, do we have somebody on? Did we get a caller? We do. We have uh, Charlene calling in from Canada who has an answer. Charlene, welcome to the show. Charlene, come on. Hi. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. It's nice to hear your voice, Dr. Pat. It's nice to hear you. You think I'm a little weird with this song or what? That I use this song for my workout, just saying. Yeah, well, it, it you know, but weird is good. There's no such thing as normal, right? Well, it's like Robert said in the beginning of his book. So you know the song. Tell us what it is. 
Pardon me? Sympathy for the Devil? Yes, ma'am. And you're going to get a copy of the book. Aw, thank you. Well, you know, it's it's an interesting song. Do you agree with me about what I said, that I thought that if you take a look at the history of the body of the Rolling Stones, right, and you take a Mm -hmm. look, I mean, there's a lot of variety, kind of, right? And then you get this song with the bongos, right? Yeah. Do you remember the first time you heard yeah. this song? Clearly you didn't hear it in 68 with me, right? <laughs> I no. was born in 61, so I can, I can relate. Yeah. I even went and yep. got a T-shirt. I actually went when I was Music younger. tells us so much, too. Oh, my God. What does it say to you about me that I so related to this song? Is this a good thing? <laughs> <laughs> I love you. <laughs> and I love your shows. I just absolutely love your shows and your guests. Thank you so much. Thank you, Charlene. Thank you. Oh, my God. So this song, Benny, I'm not kidding. Let's make sure we get her information. We'll send her a copy of the book. So let me tell you why I related to this song. One of the things that I talk about, Benny, is, and you've heard me talk about my upbringing and early years of Catholicism. And then my dad marries my stepmom, Doris, right? So my dad and then that side of family, like Catholic, Catholic, right? Then my stepmom and her side of family, non-denomination, kind of Baptist sort of, right? Christian, they, they call themselves just non-denomination Christian. And so now you take these two people and you put them in a place, right? And this is, this was like, before I got, this is like getting kicked out of the home. So this was the year that the kid got kicked out. This was my homeless year, Benny. This was my homeless year. And so here we go. We get this song come out. And so I'm thinking to myself, right? Uh, it Song was recorded June of 68, like when crazy was happening in my life, right? If you think about that. And then what happens with it is you start to look at the release date. So the release date comes right before my birthday. So December 11th is my birthday. So this song came out in December-ish, right? And I'm supposed to be celebrating this birthday, right? This was a pivotal year for me. Most people celebrate this year. A lot of kids go off to college. I'm walking the streets of New York. Signed up to be part of the Hare Krishna people because he gave me white clothes, and I love that, um, and food, and they're not called Hare Krishna. That's, that's an insult. They actually, actually, I think you don't see them very much, but if you're going up in the 60s and you're hanging out in New York and you're seeing people on the street corners and they're all dressed in white and tambourine, these are the people that cut me a break. But if you're, if you're in New York, though, in 1968, Everybody on the corner is banging a tambourine. Just saying. Um, but then this song comes out, and here I am. This is, a, this is a long story short, but it ties back into Doris Stoner. So I wanted Doris Stoner. This is how I started out the show, talking about the quote in Robert's book that I use for this talk. And so the quote, again, let me remind you what it was. I always feel very suspicious when somebody assures me that he is very normal. That's he, she, or it is very normal. Too many people are just compensated, man, men, man, woman, 
and it, yeah, too many people. So this is Carl. And so it's fascinating if you put all this together and you take a look at how that quote showed up how many years later, 20 years later in my life, right? But it became part of my journey early on in life. I used it at this managerial presentation to talk to people about implementing a corporate 360 degree performance management system. So here I had to tell these brilliant scientists, right? Like, yo, everybody, you're a scientist. They taught me how to play ping pong too, Benny. You're a scientist, here you go. And I open up the meeting with this quote. Now, my boss, my boss, Charlie Brooks, and uh, love you, Charlie. Thank you for giving me that promotion. Nobody else would, but thank you. My boss just looked at me. Vice president sitting over here, and I'm talking about these VPs, in, and I'm talking about the part of the phone company, not the AT&T business side. These, this was Bell Labs type people. These are the people that listen to sound. These are the people that work with frogs in soundproofing rooms, right? These are the people that help me discover the most funnest part of myself, right? And these were the people that, believe it or not, had so much fun, taught me ping pong. Yep. And so here we are. And we're, and we're looking at this and, you know, sympathy for the devil. December 68. Doris Stoner decides to hire me, right? I almost got fired from that mailroom job because, like Doris Stoner thought about, on, on a mailroom, I had the most funnest mail route. Building 15, Benny. So, Benny, other than, Olivia, other than Sympathy for the Devil being unusual impact on me as a, as a young kid, outside of that, do you know what the phone company did? You know what the phone company did? The Bell Labs, the phone company, you know what they did oh, to what? somebody that they just hired with 48 days out? Do you know what they did? This is how you know you're on your path. They gave me the most secure, classified mail trip. The only other mail trip in the history of Bell Labs that, was, that had more of a security issue than Building 15. You know, like Area 51? Like Building 15 was like Area 15. Building 15 was the Area 51 of the phone company. Who do they give that mail route to? Who is out 48 days in their senior year of school? Needless to say, I spent more time in building 15 in soundproofing rooms, working with the scientists than I did delivering mail. So I almost got fired from that job. But do you know the level of security clearance you have to have to deliver mail in building 15? Guess who they gave a top security clearance to at the ripe age of 18? Who do you think they give a top security clearance to? Hence, back to my quote in the book. 
Robert, thank you for making my day. Man, I know you're not here, but I know you're going to be coming back. I always feel very suspicious when somebody assures me that he is very normal or she or it. Too many people are just compensated madmen, madwoman. What I want to say is that whether you relate to a song that comes out in 1968, a song that has to do with the devil or not, but if you guys knew me back then, what you would know about me was I spent more time marching and protesting and oh my gosh, I can't even begin to tell you what that was like. Fighting for women's rights um, because we didn't have them, believe it or not. This was a time where you could go to a staff meeting and show up, and Linda will tell you about this too. You go to a staff meeting and show up, and what would happen to you is your boss would start the meeting with a dirty joke. That, that, that's what went on then. And how does it relate to this book? Well, here's how. I'm a little superstitious, but I'm more than a little superstitious. And I always carried a rock with me. Always carried, it was not a rock, it was a stone. And it's a gemstone. And I always carried it with me. And, and I have a little pouch that I would wear, right? And most of the time, it was a leather pouch because like hippie leather, I don't know, we, we weren't really kind to animals quite yet back then. But I would always put it in here and I would put it under my shirt right, on my blouse, because you had to dress up back then, right? Couldn't wear pants in the workplace, just saying. So I'd always carry it. And so what, what happens in Robert's book, and we're going to get Robert to come back. What happens in his book, he explains this. He explains this. And I'm struck by the fact that the song that I'm referencing, Sympathy for the Devil, was written by a group that literally has stones in its name, the Rolling Stones. And so I'm reading this book and I can't wait to get Robert back and I hope he will come back and I hope we'll be able to do a video because that stone that I carried and I later learned it was a gemstone. I carried that with me everywhere. And Linda will tell you, I still have the leather. When we get Robert on, I'll have to bring in uh, the leather pouch. I wore that leather pouch to every tournament I ever played. I wore that to any time, anywhere I ever went. I, I didn't take it off. I didn't take it off to shower. I, I mean, it stayed on everywhere I went. Why? Why did I do that? Why would I carry this thing? I mean, and I'm telling you, Benny, I would sweat when I play ping pong. You're, can you feel me right there? Mm -hmm. You know what that's like? That's why you're online. all pitted out playing that's ping pong. That's why you're online right now. Yeah. Can you're not, you, you're not can in you studio imagine? anymore. Yes, I can. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, do you know what it's like to wear a leather little pouch with a leather thing and get all pitted out and sweated? <laughs> a little that graphic thing there, at but night we got would it. stand up by itself. <laughs> okay. But I wouldn't take it off. I couldn't take it off. And I carried this gemstone. So when Robert comes back, I'm going to show everybody what that is. 
So why is it that we are so drawn to this? And why would this, why would these guys, these musicians, how dare they take stones for their name? The Rolling Stones. What stones are they? I'll tell you what they are. They're the stone that wrote a song, Sympathy for the Devil, that pretty much got covered in any movie that even referenced the devil. Whether you watched, you know, Queen of the Damned, whether you watched Suicide Squad or who knows how many other places, it's been covered by various people, but nobody does it better than Mick and Keith. And I got a question. People want to know what album. It was Beggar's Banquet in 68. It has been considered one of the best songs of the popular music era. But it's only ranked number 32 on the Rolling Stones 500 Greatest Songs of All Time list. Did they make did they do 500 songs? They've been around like for a few years. But Stones. So what I want to say is I hope Robert comes back because to this day, if you come in my house or you come in my office, um, I, it, I'm surrounded by them. I'm going to turn my camera. Olivia, I hope I don't mess this up. But I just want to be able to show people, right? Let me just take a little look here. Come in my office. I'm going to screw up this, this little camera thing here. Okay, there we go. All right. See that amethyst over there? Right? I don't know what Robert knows about stones. And I think you all are mostly like me. You don't have the knowledge or the wisdom and we're gonna do a special show with him. Because what I now know is that there is magical, mystical, energetic sense of these stones. How often have you walked to any one of the shores we have? I call them beaches, but we don't have beaches here, right, Benny? I mean, it's a Puget Sound, so we, we don't have call a few it. locally little ones, but not. I don't like know the coast. Edmonds. I used to call that a beach. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Puget Sound beaches areas, Puget but Sound not beach. like the the coast. You're right. But you can go up to Crescent Lake, Crescent Lake, um, and there you'll find these beautiful agate, right? These beautiful stones. And so, what happens when you're walking, walking along? Have you ever done this? You're walking, walking along, and all of a sudden, there's some stone on the ground that catches your eye. And you decide you're not going to pick it up, and you walk by it. And then you realize you have to turn around and go back and get it. What, what I learned in reading this book is these are messengers for me. I don't know if Robert quite says that. Creating a DNA vibrational ascension for tonic. This is what we're talking about with Robert. This is what his book's, book's about. And when we take this journey today and you step out, you're going to find that there are stones that you're going to hold in your hand. For me, I kept that, <laughs> I kept that leather pouch and that stone on me 24 
seven. I was so superstitious about it that I remember one day that I entered a table tennis tournament and I didn't have it. And my coach is like, what's wrong with you? I said, I don't want to play. <laughs> and Sam, Sam Hammond, I have a picture of Sam. He just looked at me and says, what do you mean? You've practiced all your life for this. And I said, I don't have my pouch on. <laughs> now, this guy was national champion of Ghana, Ghana in Africa, right? And he looked at me with an accent and he said, your pooch. And I said, no, my pouch, my leather pouch. And he said, are you going to hit the ball with your pouch? Do you need your pouch to play the game? Is your pouch going to help you? And he went on for about five minutes of this. And I just started to cry. There's a tears coming down my face. Because what I realized is it wasn't the pouch. It was the stone. Stones with an S that I carried inside of them. And what they had come to mean to me. And I tried to think about how I got so attached to them. And I started not to feel normal about that. Hence the beginning quote from the book. I'm going to tell you this. I've had more people in my life. Danny, I don't think you ever did this. So. More people in my life either tell me in writing on performance review, she's from another planet, you know, highly created, but not of this earth. We don't think maybe she's got, you know, playing with the full deck. That one, playing with the full deck. I don't even know what that means, playing with the full deck. But I will tell you this, these are times where we need to be looking at each other and maybe asking ourselves, does that person that doesn't play with the full deck, do they have a solution that's going to help me? Or maybe you're like Robert, Robert Simmons. He was the best-selling author of the Book of Stones, but this book right here, The Alchemy of Stones, whoop, yep. And looking at The Alchemy of Stones and the Chakra System, or looking at the alchemy of stones. And you know what's funny? I didn't think about this today, Benny. Right? I don't know if you can see this. Wait. Wait for it, Benny. I didn't even think about it today. But this is the necklace I wore. Today. It's gorgeous. Isn't that interesting? So, when Robert joins us we'll talk about it i know i've got some quartz in here i know i've got some tiger's eye in there but this is the day that you have to grab those things in life for yourself even if it is a stone or multiple stones that you carry around in a leather pouch that you handmade somehow and sewn it together and you wouldn't take off because I think what's part of this is it's like Robert says again later on in the book. And this is what's kind of cool about this. When you take a look at the way the divine creates, and it's right here. The way the divine creates. And this is funny, 
right? Because guess who he's going to mention now? I'm going to leave everybody with this. Let's think back for a moment to the story of the Big Bang from physics. Arno Penzias brought in bagels every Friday. I had no idea who that man was. All the numbers I quoted came from theories about the way things happened in the first split instant after the Big Bang got started. Before that, we have no idea what was going on or how or why. And science rules out any involvement of a divine force or intention. That would be unscientific. But we aren't bound by that set of shackles. We can imagine what might have occurred. And this book really talks about that spiritual connection. It talks about the connections of all. He goes on to say this. Let's say for a moment that what goes on to talk about the bedrock of reality is consciousness and that consciousness permeates everything. And we know it does, even if we don't call it that. Then we might go along with the Gnostics or the alchemists agreeing that our universe is woven throughout the benevolent presence of divine wisdom that they called Sophia. We might even presume that there is a masculine counterpart to, counterpart to Sophia, perhaps one that we would perceive as heavenly light. I'm not sure what that name to use. We could say God, although that name might appear better to the union of wisdom and light. We could choose a different name, but let's leave it for now. Let's imagine that at some point, for some unknown reason or for no reason, the divine polarities merged in an ecstasy of created rapture and that this triggered the Big Bang, bringing unfathomably vast expressions of matter and energy into existence. We're trying to unscrew the unscrutable here. Imagine this. Imagine this for your day. Imagine that each and every one of us has that uniqueness that Arno had, Dr. Arno Penzias. Imagine that this guy, Penzias and Wilson, these are the Big Bang folks. And they did this at Bell Labs on Bell Labs time with Bell Labs equipment. But what is it about that guy that created the Big Bang that so beautifully believed in humanity as well? Every Friday, without hesitation, I would get my bagel with cream cheese. Thank you all for tuning us in and turning us on. We'll see you next time.